This is a show about getting spooked for fun, and neither one of the hosts are associated with the attractions discussed in any way. Except for those skeletons in Devin's closet. Some topics may go from ghoulish to ghastly, so viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to The Great American Scream. Why, hello, Adam. Please step into my office. Uh, I'm so excited to take yes. off my researching boots. They're the boots yes, that... Yes, take off the boots. Put them on the mud thing. <laughs> They're the boots that I only wear when I do research. Yes, I will put on my own research boots. Please take a seat. Thank oh, you. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to put on my glasses. Oh, now I can see. Very good. Hello and welcome to the Great American Scream. I am your co-host and researcher extraordinaire, Devin Wright. I am Adam O'Connell. I'm sitting in a beach chair with a tiki drink along for the ride. Yes, you are the goof this episode, and I am the smart one, <laughs> because we are doing video games today. It's it's fine. The day has finally arrived. Yes. Hello and welcome. This is part two of our internet horror series, where we cover horror that is specific to the world of the internet's and the the world as it is today. Today, we will be talking about video games. This is a topic in which I have a bit more experience than Adam does, so I will be taking the wheel. So, one second, I need to pop something into our notes. Yeah, I'm not a big gamer, per se. I play a lot of Sims. I play a lot of Animal Crossing. Yeah, not not a very spooky game. But (laughs) I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing. But other than that, I, I don't know very much else about a lot of games so i am excited to to learn some facts yeah so uh you know my name's devin people know me as game master 69xx uh, on the internet so i'm here to talk about video games so video games as horror as a concept is a, a pretty interesting thing uh, i think that video games might be the best place to execute horror just because of what video games are uh so Video, video games, for you who don't know, no, I'm not going <laughs> to teach you about video games. The thing that sets video games apart from something like uh, movies or books or anything like that is that uh, the audience is a part of the experience going on. The player has agency in the world of the video game. That means that scare can be achieved through playing with the power that a player has in the world uh, or by giving a player a certain set of abilities that has to butt up against the 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 walls of this world that does present some pitfalls though because giving agency to a player can sometimes dull the horror uh horror movies operate on not having the audience have any control they have to be an observer in this world and not be able to do anything about the horrible things going on adam do you agree so far yeah and i think a big part of the agency as well is whether the game is literally from a first person perspective or a third person perspective because if i'm remembering correctly a game like resident evil where it could be so simple as literally seeing your player character running around versus something like five nights at freddy's where you are seeing through the eyes of this player character and i'll talk a little bit about horror vr a little bit later too because that's a big part of it i think that can change the scare altogether Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think both work extremely well when applied in the right way. In the same way we've talked about every single 
piece of horror media that we have so far, the way the intricacies of the medium are being used vastly affects the way the horror turns out. So I'm going to bring you on a little bit of a journey through time of horror video games. All right. So it's the 1980s. Everything oh is pixelated. Technology uh, hasn't even been invented have, yet. Uh, perms. There's no technology. There are also not really any horror games. There are some Japanese titles, uh, The War of the Dead, uh, which invented the survival horror genre. There is Sweet Home, which is a movie tie-in game. Ooh. But the, the kind of most popular game that you would know that came out in the 80s that could be classified as horror is Castlevania. Ooh. And the reason you could say that is because the sense of dread and horror that Castlevania creates is on a kind of another level. And it's done purely through the atmosphere of the game. And that's necessary because in the 80s, we had no graphics yeah. and just text. And horror books can be used for spooks, but the pacing of books is decided by the people who read them. So horror can kind of mold itself to spook a person because of how fast they read it. That's how fast they process it. And that's how fast they get scared. But with video games, you can't do that. Yeah. Um, and with a little pixely guy, uh, you're not going to be very scared by a lot of things going on on screen. Castlevania did this very well. Uh, There's a very good video by Eagle Raptor, a very old video, um, talking about Castlevania 1 and 2. Castlevania 2 is not a very good game. <laughs> but one of the things it does very well is the horror of the nighttime coming upon you, where the whole color palette of the game shifts and a big, big-ass text box comes on and goes what a terrible night to have a curse and while that's silly objectively the feeling of like being in a dark room and just seeing this big text box and then slow scrolling text is genuinely scary yeah totally however most uh horror games in this time which adam i'm sure you can understand a lot of them are movie tie-ins like the alien video game for like the nes mm -hmm. they kept the horror concept but they actually ended up adopting action gameplay yeah and i feel like that makes sense for a lot of 80s horror where it can very especially for something like alien it can easily be turned into an action survival game because a big part of films like that is fighting the enemy right so guns and the like yeah and as uh, we talked about in horror movie gimmicks i believe uh, this kind of journey of a character from a victim to uh, a hero who like gets to kill the killer mm -hmm. is an exciting one, and it's something that tracks to an action video game pretty well. So now let's skip ahead to the 90s uh, when th 3D was starting to happen. In the world of 2D, we still had uh, kind of point-and-click adventure games, which served to immerse people a ton. Yeah, I used to love those. I did play a lot of, because yeah. I loved computer games as a kid, so I did play a lot of point-and-click uh, adventure games as a child. Yeah. And, and here is where we see kind of a, a schism that still exists today, uh, where there's kind of a branch of video games in the horror quote-unquote genre, which is the mystery game. And most notably, for me at least, uh, the first Nancy Drew video game came out in 1998. Those are point-and-click adventure games set in 3D worlds where you are solving a mystery, and a lot of them are <laughs> scary for teenage people who are playing them. Yeah, and when you mention uh, kind of a lack of horror games in the 80s and 90s especially, I feel like a big part of that is because it really took until the 2000s, if not the 2010s, for people to kind of realize that 
horror that video games were not just for children. They were kind of seen exclusively as a toy. They were a child. They weren't meant for adults or anyone past the age of 13. So it really wouldn't make sense to make horror or explicit games, explicitly frightening games that kids couldn't play. Um, and so for games right. like this to be able to kind of serve this a uh, 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 a way a child would consume horror in the same way that like Courage the Cowardly Dog or Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark do, where it is scary and it is horror, but it is intended for a young audience. Yeah, I think there are a lot of, again, horror aesthetic games or horror concept games that actually end up playing like children's arcade games. Mm -hmm. Uh, The things that come to mind are Zombies Ate My Neighbors, um, Monster Mash, different stuff like that. But kind of through the 90s, there were some kids who were growing up during that time. And notably, in Japan, a lot of adults were playing video games. And so you had games like Alone in the Dark, uh, Survival Horror, which was set in a mansion. It created this kind of weight system, which (laughs) was just seen in Death Stranding, a game by legend Hideo Kojima. Mm -hmm. And what came from Hideo Kojima was Silent Hill. And a game, a game related not directly, but uh, a game in the same vein, Resident Evil, as you said. Mm-hmm. These games became the gold standard of 2000s horror. And that's mostly because of the near perfection of the first installments of each. Uh, like you said, Resident Evil is a, a game set in, in third person. And in that first game, the camera is locked. It, it is set angles. So your lines of vision are, are limited. Uh, the developer gets to choose what you can see, which is a film technique beautifully applied to a video game medium in the same way silent hill and resident evil blended this horror movie structure with the more action agency of most video games in like giving them guns and stuff like that but limiting the power of the player to instill a sense of fear you can tell any uh, hashtag 90s kid tell them about like remind them of the scene that happens anytime you open a door in resident evil which is that the door appears in a black void and the camera goes up to it and the door swings open and it's scary every time the suspense is crazy that is scary it is absolutely fascinating as we move into the aughts it was a really really weird time for horror games especially looking back this was the era of the zombie zombies were everywhere (laughs) resident evil fell down a bunch of stairs and became an action game. Resident <laughs> Evil 4 is considered the best Resident Evil game to many, but to me it is a really a survival action game less than a horror action game or survival horror game. Mm-hmm. Some examples of this really zombie-centric, again more action-focused world of horror video games is Left 4 Dead, yeah, which is a game by Valve, which is a brilliant game. It nails the atmosphere, it was absolutely horrifying, but it focused on the gunplay and the missions and the teamwork more so than immersing you in a creepy or horrifying situation. It was more shock horror, standard standard 2000s zombie uh, media. Adam, you could probably speak to this as well. There's a kind of development of zombie horror where zombies turn from a shambling, terrifying, tireless threat to like fast moving, gonna punch you in the face zombies. Yeah, there was definitely a, a 2000s shift in that in zombie film. And because there is so much zombie film eventually directors just kind of had to start taking new takes on it um and to have right. and because we would always think of zombies as this kind of shambling frankenstein type character to have fast moving aggressive zombies is very frightening 
Um, and I think it's something that works for a video game because honestly, what I find in a lot of zombie games is that if they're kind of shambling up to you, it's pretty easy to take them down from far away. Um, but if they're running, it re- it gives you a lot less time to to decide what to do. Yeah, and as we'll talk about, there are games that that take that and uh, the kind of links and symbiotic relationship between video games and movies. It was so obvious in the 2000s because you had zombie movies like Zombieland and you had games like Dead Rising, which are so living in the same universe. And Dead Rising and Left 4 Dead are very related in subject matter, but Left 4 Dead is a teamwork survival action game, whereas Dead Rising is like an arcade style beat em up with all these zombies. Mm -hmm. But we have to talk about the true light in the dark decade Not to say Left 4 Dead wasn't a brilliant game, it was, but true horror came from, I believe, EA in 2008 with Dead Space. I'm very excited to talk about this because I've never heard of this. Dead Space is, uh, it is maybe the best horror AAA game. When we talk about games, there's a level of development called AAA, which you can think of as a blockbuster movie, but in a video game. It's like a Marvel movie. Dead Space, a Marvel movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Dead Space tells the story of an engineer on a spaceship named Isaac Clark, and he must fight his way through a ship covered in disgusting, horrifying, eldritch like zombie aliens. Ooh, that is exciting. In a con as a concept, it seems like it would be another like action heavy game, but Isaac Clark is like fighting with these improvised mining tools because he's just an engineer. He <laughs> He's not super powerful. You die pretty dang quick. The HUD of this game, the heads-up display, is not traditional. Uh, you actually see his health on his body. Ooh. It's a third-person game, and he has what's called a RIG, R-I-G. It's like an acronym, and on the back is like a health bar that slowly goes down. It's a fascinating game. Play it if you're into like horror games. It, it kind of set the standard for, for what could be a terrifying action-oriented video game. It's so, so good. Incredible game, incredible horror. So, so gory, but so, so good. I think space-related horror is often a neglected category because people think of stuff like Alien and then not much else um, because it was so closely associated with, like, the 1950s Alien movies, which aren't quite scary. But to to have, like, truly scary entries into the outer space horror genre is very exciting. Yeah, and and Dead Space truly, it it sits up there with Alien in this kind of sci-fi horror setting in a really beautiful way. So I think coming out of this decade, you have kind of two paths. You have action games that have a horror skin or a horror aesthetic, and then you have horror games that utilize action, like gameplay. So it's a difference in focus. Both of these paths are super influenced by the world of movies and comic books, especially by the end of the, the aughts, you have The Walking Dead, is become mm-hmm. is is just on the on the horizon. World War Z and and all of these are are they're all influencing each other. Yeah, and of course, so many of these games are movie tie-ins. Uh, yes, <laughs> there's still the mystery genre, which is separate and is mostly on the PC. But let's talk about the 2010s. Yes, the 2010s is a fascinating decade to be living in in terms of video games or to have lived in. That's sad. Uh, for a bunch of reasons, it's kind of it allowed video games uh, to kind of enter a new era where they are a medium unto themselves in in a I think a new way. 
And a lot of that came from, we talked about this a little bit in the last episode, it came from the growth of indie development, of, of small groups of people, sometimes one person, to make a game. And as I said in the last episode, I do think kind of democratizing the means of production <laughs> uh, for, for art uh, allows for less mainstream ideas to come up. And I think that benefits horror more so than any other genre. Oh, yeah. And I feel like a big reason why horror thrives so much in indie circles, whether it be film or video game or whatever, is because there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through when you're doing something for a production company or a video game company that a lot of elements of your game, if they are too scary or too violent or too whatever, are not going to make it. And then you have to make that decision of like, am I going to sacrifice what I want in this game so it gets published by a big developer? Or am I going to not take this developer's money and try and power this game on my own? Right. And and I think relatedly, both developers, big and small, started to discover or more correctly, rediscover how to make these game experiences that are uniquely video games. They're not they're, they're not stories or experiences that can be told any way other than a video game. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think indie development brought to the table in a way that kind of big production studios, which kind of modeled themselves on movie studios, didn't really remember from their, their halcyon days. Also, if we can't go past this point without mentioning the rise of YouTube, because... Yeah. Uh, Markiplier is a millionaire because of horror video games. Yeah. The love that people have for watching other people react to video games is one totally separate from like watching a horror movie. It is fascinating and it's great. Yeah, we talked about this in Jump Scares too, that we get such pleasure from watching people play these games. Right. And I think it goes back to that agency idea. You're watching somebody who you might have a connection with otherwise, you might like their other content, but you are watching them because you enjoy their agency, their control over the video game. And so seeing that be credited or seeing that be controlled is great. Um, I'm going to kind of run through a few of these games. If you know, if you've played any of these, Adam, Mm -hmm. please like point them out for me. Oh, I shall. Yes. One, One genre that is very popular it's also popular among like action games are what are called immersive sims mm-hmm. so games where you play a character who is supposed to be fully immersed in the world being created a game that arguably started the rebirth of horror video games is amnesia the dark descent if you've never played this game go watch it on youtube or play it it is a beautiful first person game where you are going through this mansion you have no weapons you are told at the beginning of the game you are vulnerable and you are scared. And that's what I say to myself every time I leave my apartment in the morning. <laughs> that I stop um, at the door and do that mantra. See like a, you, if you ever see a bad guy, they literally say run or hide or else you are dead. That's, uh, there's yeah. a sanity system where as you become less sane, stuff starts to go crazy. If you stay in the dark too long, you go insane. It's fascinating. Along the same lines, Outlast is possibly my favorite of these uh where you are you are a journalist uh and it takes from the found footage style of movie making where you are recording your journey into this mental asylum and you have to like reload batteries into it Mm -hmm. and the batteries decide whether you have the ability to turn on your night vision on your camera and if you don't it's more spooky and it's just fascinating 
we'd be remiss to not mention Slender, yeah. which we talked about previously. That game started a whole, it arguably started the YouTube horror trend. Yeah, I was going to say that because a big thing of why Slender went viral was from watching people play it and react to it because the game itself right. is pretty simple. Yeah, and not very good. Um, <laughs> Dare I say. Yeah, and not very well designed from a game design perspective but yeah i don't think designed it's, from a horror design i don't perspective. think it's super uh, i'm gonna be controversial i don't think slender is super scary i definitely think it's scary but i think i feel hmm. maybe i've just become desensitized to slenderman as a cultural icon at this point yeah because he yeah uh, by 2000 my god 2012 to like 2015 slenderman was everywhere oh yeah for sure i think what slender uh, understood about the horror genre video game is there there was a joke and there still is in the video game world of walking sims where it's like oh this video game is just you walking around yeah slender was that but then it added this guy who was chasing you the whole time yeah um which is an interesting uh way to do that some honorable mentions are in this 2d space uh limbo by playdead in 2010 is a beautiful uh, creepy horror platformer it's a puzzle platformer completely set you are playing as a silhouette um it's a gorgeous game uh very eldritch horror-y uh they followed that up with inside in 2016 which is a crazy game that you should definitely play uh little nightmares in 2017 is mm. another similar puzzle platformer in the same vein all of these kind of play with like you are playing a child like you're a traditional video game platforming character you're a little kid but then you see horrible stuff and it is brilliant faith if you have not seen the video game faith it shows that the 80s style of graphics can be scary Ooh, it is brilliant it is all i believe atari 2600 style graphics so so good i don't want to spoil it because it's so good Mm -hmm. now we need to talk about five nights at freddy's oh yeah absolutely and i'll say about five nights at freddy's first of all and now i understand why i you should understand why i don't play video games i've been watching five nights at freddy's for years i've seen entire playthroughs of every single game i know what happens in it i know the instructions of how to beat it but if you put me in front of the game i guarantee you i could not beat it i am such like an old grandpa with video game controls it's really bad and i still don't understand like the actual mechanics of this game yeah, and and that's kind of why YouTube needs so much credit in this is that horror video games should be allowed to be so scary that people don't want to play it. Yeah, that should be a goal. That's good. What YouTube allows is for people who are too scared to play the game, they can still experience it, which is so, so, so cool. Five Nights at Freddy's is a video game created by Scott Cawthon in 2014. You are a security guard at a Chuck E. Cheese style restaurant called freddy fazbear's pizzeria Mm -hmm. at night you're the night security guard and as you sit there a phone guy tells you hey some people have seen the guys walking around at night but it's it's okay and then the the animatronics start walking around and they try to kill you because they're they're supposed to be like in the concept of the restaurant they're like free moving animatronics that interact with kids Right. right horrifying yes horrifying on its face plays into a really like interesting concept of like uh horror animatronics which i think is super relatable for anybody who had been oh, yeah. to a chuck e cheese what's the other one with uh rock fire explosion yeah, yeah, um, yeah like super interesting something that i think was only really touched on in something like chucky but even so not really uh really simple game mechanics of you look at cameras to see where the animatronics are and you can shut doors that's 
the only power you have in the game. That is a perfect example of controlling what abilities the player has to keep themselves safe from the horrifying thing. Yeah. In my opinion, a brilliant horror game. Yeah. Uh, I think again, it's great. not super complicated, not super well designed from a game design <laughs> perspective, but from a horror perspective, beautiful. I Has think... a ton of follow up. So Five Nights at Freddy's 2, Five Nights at Freddy's 3, yeah. Five Nights at Freddy's 4, uh, FNAF World. Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria Simulator. That's my favorite one. The Pizzeria Simulator. The Pizzeria Simulator is so good. (laughs) VR Help Wanted and Sister Location. Yeah. They're all so good. Go and watch a playthrough. I recommend the Scary Game Squad playing through it. It's so good. My thing about FNAF 2 is that the storytelling of it is like, as far as a horror game goes, the the storyline is so deeply integral to everything that's going on. I'd say almost to the point where like, if you lose track of the story, it becomes difficult to play the game because it is such a complicated storyline. Yeah, I think it it starts a very interesting... I think Five Nights at Freddy's burst this. Uh, There are certain horror properties, uh, movies, uh, TV shows, different things where the lore is super important to the people who consume it. And they get so deep in it. There are like, back in the day, there'd be like bulletin board systems that you would connect to and chat with people and then forum posts and and fan websites. And video game horror didn't really have that uh, for any game because a lot of the stuff was pretty explicit and Five Nights at Freddy's kind of birthed this new community of people who are who deep dive into the lore of whether it's Five Nights at Freddy's or Outlast or Mm -hmm. um, some games we'll talk about in a little bit a a really kind of a landmark moment for horror games which I'm sure tons of YouTubers would make a call out video if they heard me say that (laughs) it's a phrase is bad actually i think it's great i think the story yeah. goes a little off the rails but i think it's a oh, good but game that's part of the fun yeah <laughs> yeah so also in that same year which is crazy to think about is possibly the greatest piece of horror media ever created of all time pt i literally have never heard of this like, so i'm very excited pt stands for playable trailer and it okay. was released on the ps4 back in 20. 20- 14 and it was a teaser for silent the silent hill reboot it is a game in which you walk through two hallways Mm -hmm. a lot of times and every time you walk through it something changes and over the course of i think about two hours you go from a very normal hallway to just absolute craziness who a person that i think is your wife is hanging from the rafters there is a dead baby in the sink there is oh my oh. Uh, a, a a meat bag somewhere. There's there's your your face has been burned out of all the pictures. The some of the pictures have been like turned upside down. Everything starts to turn red. It is one of the craziest game experiences of the past decade. What happened after that was very tragic. Uh, Kojima ended up leaving Konami, and the Silent Hills reboot ended up falling through. And so we never actually got anything after PT. So it was just this singular. <laughs> teaser a playable teaser is actually the name what could have been of this game (laughs) yeah and then it just went away that's a bummer it was one of the one of the craziest kind of three weeks of being a part of the video game community because people were discovering stuff about it and finding secret files and recordings and it was an incredible time the next year uh soma is a incredible horror game which kind of 
it's kind of a, it, it feels to me, it was not intended to be, but it feels like a, another line in the succession of something like a dead space. Uh, you're in like an underwater scientific facility and you're going through it and okay. people are scary. Yeah. Also in that year was, again, one of the best horror media ever and a, a, a real break from the norm. As I talked about, like, these are experiences that are only possible through a video game. They are stories that try, like, intentionally don't link themselves to concepts from movies or anything like that until dawn Mm -hmm. is not that game okay this game i mean it is but it takes the concept of a slasher fic and sets it in a video game world so you play as a set of i believe eight different characters all in high school of returning to a lodge to like vacation and this is the same lodge that a year earlier there was an accident and one of the main characters, uh, two of the main characters, sister died tragically. So you're returning to this place and it's this, it's set like a movie, but. Okay, I can jive with this. You control all the characters individually for like each hour you like go through all of them. That's fun. Every single choice you make changes the story. Ooh, I like that. It's like The Sims, but it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> There's a mechanic in the game that's called the butterfly effect. And like whenever you in the do movie. something, a new, yeah. like the movie, <laughs> a new path unlocks. And so there are dozens of endings for this game. People can die. People cannot die. The story beats are crazy. You think it's going to be one thing. Then you find out who the killer is and you're so surprised. And it is just, it is a wild game. I would suggest it is not scary, but it, it is. It looks you are, scary you from the pictures that I'm looking at. But it is so goofy because it is so... It is early 2000s, Saw, Final Destination, Ooh, Scream, I do level, love Final goofy Destination. horror. It is so goofy. It is so much fun. Play it with your friends. Is, oh my God, it's so good. From what I'm looking at these pictures, is Rami Malek in this game? Rami Malek is in the game, ah! and so is Hayden Pedentier. I have such a crush on Rami Malek. This is great. Watch a playthrough of it. Play it with your friends. It is one of the most fun video game experiences of the past decade. I have said a little... Uh, a little bit of time aside for Adam to talk about Bendy and the Ink Machine. Yeah. So, Adam, please. I I like that you've set a time aside for Bendy and the Ink Machine because I think my time was supposed to be set aside for Doki Doki Literature Club because that is a game I've actually... Yeah, I, that, I've played Doki Doki Literature Club. I have never played Bendy and the Ink Machine, but I know that you didn't know Bendy and the Ink Machine was a horror game. Yeah, I thought it was just a regular puzzle game. No, 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 no. It is definitely a horror game. Uh, I won't go too much into it again because I haven't played it, but it's based off of, uh, loosely based off of uh, the rivalry between Walt Disney and Oob Iwerks over the rights to the characters of Mickey Mouse and Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Um, and then takes yes, that. I, and, I'm vaguely familiar. Yeah. <laughs> takes that yeah. and turns it into a horror concept of this old-timey devil character called Bendy being brought to life by this machine that can turn the the animated characters to life, but kind of turns them into these, like, inky abominations that are chasing you and trying to kill you. Yes. And there's, like, uh, again, multiple endings. Yes. There are kind of... There are very deep lore implications Yeah, to that's that a game. big thing about it, too. It's got lore probably, like, as deep as Five Nights at Freddy's does. Yeah, and now talk about Doki Doki Literature Club, a game that once again I thought was just kind of a fun, probably dating sim, maybe a match three 
Yeah. What's Doki Doki Literature? So this is Tell one of the few horror games that I have played because I can play games that are visual novels. That's easy for me. But so it is yeah. a game that disguises itself as like a visual novel, a visual novel dating sim, and then turns into a metafiction psychological horror game that breaks the fourth wall and creates files on your computer. Um, it follows yes. you in kind of typical dating sim format where you are in this literature club with these four high school girls and you have to pick one to romance and stuff. Um, but so it's three of the girls and then one girl who you can't romance because um, she's the the one and the, like there's always the character in a visual novel or a dating sim who is like the one that helps you and you're not romancing them and stuff. But so when you start romancing the other girls, the game does stuff like restarts itself or um, uh, doesn't let you click things in order to avoid romancing them. And it's revealed that Monica, the girl who you couldn't romance, is going is aware she's in a video game and is going into the game's files to delete the other character files um, or rewrite them so they die in game. Uh, so that way she becomes the only choice for you to romance. And the only way to defeat her in the end is by going into your files and deleting her character file. Mm, once again, kind of a, a perfect representation of cannot happen. Like <laughs> somebody could make a movie based on that concept, but it would not be impactful if you weren't the person interacting with it or like you weren't watching somebody interact with it. No, not at all. Really, and, really fascinating. Um, I think uh, this is also a great example. This and Five Nights at Freddy's are a great example of what I consider to be like this decade's horror trend because we always talk about like oh the 50s were all about aliens and the the 80s were all about slashers i feel like this decade's kind of thing with horror is making horror out of innocuous or cute or fun things so stuff like five nights at freddy's and stuff like doki doki literature club became become hugely popular because they take something that we are comfortable and familiar with or something cute and make them very scary. Yeah, I, I think it also goes to your point uh, from the previous episode about subverting expectation mm -hmm. and and specifically commenting on the medium and the the legacy of other horror properties within said medium. So like for something like Doki Doki, it is commenting on the the things you do in other dating sims, the, the way that you are in some ways the Monica character. You're making these choices. Uh, that eventually whittle down the characters to one. And in the same way, FNAF is kind of playing on this this idea of uh, control of mechanics and, and you're supposed to be able to track these people and just like these other kind of uh, simulator type games, but really limiting those options to, to boost up the horror in the same way that something like Get Out comments on the very nature of horror and by extension, the society through manipulating film tropes which i just think is so cool yeah and i think games that do this well are some of the best games out there again even if they're not the most beautifully designed games one game i neglected to mention that i must that actually is a beautifully designed game is resident evil 7 mm -hmm. which is so weird to say but resident evil 7 is a return to true horror and actually kind of <laughs> serves as a anthology series of resident evil you start in a house like resident evil one and you end up 
fighting a big monster like Resident Evil 6. Really fascinating, again, commenting on the medium itself and on its own legacy within itself. It's like so, so, so fascinating. The way I want to kind of wrap up this episode is by asking a kind of a question to you, uh, a question in general that I'm going to try to answer and then I'm going to ask you what what your answer would be. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the question is, uh, what makes video games scary? So like for me, uh, what makes video games scary is the immersive power that video games have and the control that the player has within the game and how and more specifically why that control is manipulated by the designers of the game. So I would get scared by like the war segments in an old Medal of Honor game on the PS2. The reason I was scared is because I felt I was out of control of these people (laughs) coming to kill me and I couldn't stop them. And in that case, it was because I wasn't good at the video game. But other horror games are designed that way. Yeah. Uh, What for you makes a scary game? I think what you said earlier really resonates when you talked about how in the original horizon of horror games, there was an idea of kind of video game makers not necessarily knowing what to do with the agency of the player and the character, because that is so dissimilar from a horror movie where the audience has no agency. So any game where a developer finds a way to make things more frightening, more dangerous or more dire because the character has agency, I think makes for a good horror game. And then and that can then continue. And I hope more games continue to do this with that. The immersive power of video games can only span so much um, so get a games that break the fourth wall, like Doki Doki Literature Club, become truly frightening because and then again, they take something familiar like your computer and use it against you. Or we are now on the dawn of having VR headsets as a, a normal part yes. of everybody's gaming rig. Um, my little brother got one for Christmas and he doesn't own any horror games yet, except we bought that the Richie's Plank experience that has a horror mode and uh, where mm-hmm. like there's a big old spider and then you get kidnapped by and killed by this like clown. And what's I think great about VR horror, especially in games, is that even though you have agency, there's no out for you. When you're playing with a controller, yeah. you can look away from the computer screen to the television screen. If you turn around when you're playing a VR horror game, it's just the back of the room you that you're around. in. You're still there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's something that no other medium has really been able to achieve with horror. And uh, part of me thinks that it might be bad because it means that people don't need to uh, try as hard to keep people immersed. Yeah. But it also, it, it kind of lowers the floor and raises the ceiling. Oh, yeah. If that makes sense. A way bigger range yeah. of what we can do now. Right. Well, Adam, how do you think I did as a researcher? I think you were very smart and you did a great job. And I didn't know most of these games that you said, but now I'm going to go try and play some horror games. Yeah, absolutely. We should play Until Dawn on like stream or something. Yeah, that's hilarious. I am excited about that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening to The Great American Scream. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to rate and review us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. We are now on Spotify, which is very exciting. But if you are listening to us on iTunes, you can leave us a review and a rating there. It really, really helps out. The best way to help out, if you would like to, is to tell a friend. It is the best way to spread uh, the word and get more people listening to this show that we are very proud of, Um, especially in a time when people are looking for content to 
to consume. Uh, we are here. And uh, <laughs> on that note, can you please pimp our social media, Adam? Yes, you can check us out on Twitter at, at Great Scream Pod or find us on Facebook at The Great American Scream. Um, if you have a suggestion for an episode or any other thing you would like to talk to us about, uh, you can post about it or tweet about it using the hashtag TGAS. TGAS. Yes. <laughs> And a super special thank you to Michael Segudo, who in the past has done our intro and hopefully will soon be doing it again. Is that all, Adam? I think that is all. All right. Well, I have been Devin Wright. I have been Adam O'Connell. And go shoot a zombie in a video game. Yeah, go play some safe, spooky video games. Mm -hmm.